1: From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Football podcast. I'm your host, Billy Powell, and today we have our very first guest. Today, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine, Elliot. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good, Billy. I'm good. I'm just buzzing to be on here. Uh, How are you, mate?
0: I'm very good. Thank you, mate. It's a pleasure to have you. So, as always, we're just going to be running through and going over all of the Premier League games that took place over the weekend. Starting starting off with a very depressing one, Aston Villa's trip to Newcastle. We're both, <laughs> we're both Villa fans, uh, and the game, of course, ended 1-1. I'll come to you first, mate. What
1: were your thoughts on the game? Well, I know we're both Villa fans, but as a neutral point of view, I thought that it was a very fair point for each, si- mm. uh, each mm. side. Um, I thought Newcastle went by far the better team. Villa just looked lazy. I think the big impact for us was straight away when Troyore went off injured. Because as soon we that was the first 20 minutes of the game. And as soon as Birch and Troyore went off, you saw Villa going to that state where they've done for most of the season without Grealish, where you just sit back, they allow the opposition to constantly attack. And that's where we just look like this Villa from last season and it's so frustrating because you know that you've got the players there that that have good enough quality and without Jack Grealish and the fact Mm -hmm. that everyone's saying, oh, Villa are just a one-man team, it's frustrating to see, but you can see now why they're saying it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, mate. And with him coming off so early as well, he was... To me, he just looked like he was starting to get the better of Dumit on that right-hand side as well. And then, just as you think he's starting to get into the game warming up, he comes off injured, which was, as you say, a massive loss. But, I mean, how about M- uh, Mings, though? He just made Joe Linton look like Primark 9, didn't he? He ran him ragged and... The fact I mean, that Tyrone Mings uh, has made Joel Joelinton uh, look like Primar Nine says a lot, doesn't <laughs> it, really? it? Exactly. Says a
1: lot. I mean, both uh, both me and you have been big critics of Tyrone Mings yeah. this season, and a lot of people on Twitter through the Villa fan base have seen that. We've both gone for Mings, and that's not because we're scapegoating. It's because we know that there's a solid player there. He's an England yeah. international. And Mm -hmm. he's had £25 million centre-back. And for £25 million, you don't expect him to mess up. And fair enough, the last few games, and I've said this myself, he's been an improvement ever since that Arsenal game. And you've Mm -hmm. said it on a podcast episode before as well, how well he played at Arsenal. And yet, and to be honest, the past few weeks, he's done quite well. But as you said, I remember one time in that game, Joe Linton had the ball, I think, on the right-hand side. He's gone past Mings and he's made Mings do look like he's done a Tom <laughs> Daly-esque Olympic dive. That's how bad it was. Oh,
0: got it was just dreadful, wasn't it? Um, no, uh, again, mate, completely agree. Um, I mean, as you say, me and you have been big critics of Mings. And as you say, he last few weeks, last month or so, he's looked really, really good, hasn't he? Really solid, yeah. really
1: vocal. And and both of us have held our hands up to that and said, right, absolutely. we've got it wrong. Yeah. There's a player. There's a solid player there. It means he's looking like his old self when we we're back in the championship, and he was yeah. outstanding. And yeah, he's he just proved us wrong again. Oh no. Well, proved us right, I suppose.
0: But well, yeah. you know, proved us wrong with our opinion. You know what I mean. <laughs> um but yeah McGinn as well he's been off it for a while he looked very le- lethargic and lazy particularly for their goal as well he should have been busting his balls to get out to uh, to Murphy i think it was stopping that cross coming in he's got to be busting his bollocks as he need to get there but he was just it was he was just ambling out i just i was screaming at the tv just telling him to get out I, and then I mean, they go and get, score from it
1: I, I mean, yes, it was beginnings fault. You've got to get out. But look at—I say—I what? I saw a screenshot on Twitter the other day, and it was us having the ball in our half with ninety-three minutes and twenty-two seconds on the clock. Yeah. You'd think, as a side wanting to go for three points, you just. Keep the ball and see timeout. Yeah. Yet we've gone on the counter attack, which I thought was very lazy from Ollie Watkins. Here, mm-hmm. he's gone past the halfway line and he stepped past the centre back as a striker. There, when you've got uh, following one centre back, there's no one around you. You've got to stay mm-hmm. on side because he's got the pace to beat the Newcastle centre back. Oh, exactly. I think it was, uh, I think mm-hmm. it was Kieran Clark, he was with, yeah. and he's got uh, the pace to beat him. And yet he stepped offside, and mm-hmm. that was one thing that was frustrating. But another thing was. Anwar El Ghazi, I loved El Ghazi <laughs> this season. I think he's been behind our uh, Matt Target. He's been our most improved player. Mm. Uh, but you look at Anwar El Ghazi, he had that chance where he was one-on-one. Yeah, got to be finished. And he just that. needed to slot it in the far corner. And he's put it straight yeah. at uh, Debravka. And what was worse about that is a few minutes before, uh, let alone El Ghazi has come on as a substitute mm. for Traore. And a few minutes before I saw this and I... You look at El Ghazi. He goes down on the floor, and he's asking for a sub. He can't be bothered to <laughs> no, finish the game off anymore.
0: I know. I saw that. I was again. I was screaming at the TV. Me and Dad just looked at each other, like, "What is going on? Is he surely there's not another injury? Because I mean, we're going down to ten men as well because we'd made all three subs." Um, if I'm being honest with you, mate, I'm just glad that we're going to have Matty Cash and hopefully Grealish back soon. Um, the As you said earlier, the players in this Villa team are more than good enough to not rely on Jack Grealish, but they're just massively underperforming, aren't they? And I think Matty Cash, I I didn't realise how big of a loss Matty Cash was going to be. I really felt like, I knew he was going to be a big loss, and especially against Leicester and Leeds coming up against Barnes and Rafinha. But he seemed to do Mm. well, El Mohamedy seemed to do well against those two. But, yeah. Well, not in the first half of the Leicester game, anyway. But yeah, he got But he seemed to do all right, and he's he's just not the same as Matty Cash, is he? We really, really miss him.
1: Not even that for me, I'd say. Uh, well, obviously Cash is a big miss, a big loss. But you've got Army Down, For me. Frederick Gilbert is a far better right back than Army el Mohammed, and he's proving yeah. that in France at the minute. Mm. And yet, we sent him out on loan where he's tearing Good up, if I'm honest. Yeah. And like yet, him. we've got how old is Al Mohammed now? About 33, 34. 34, I think. He looks, he is. yeah, he looks completely off the it? pace. He's a championship right back now at best and I love Elmo. He's been a great Mm. servant to the club since 2017 but he just can't cut it anymore and to be honest, Gilbert, the last few games of last season post-lockdown when we had Arsenal and West Ham, he was rock solid and he never put a foot wrong. Yeah, and for some reason it just baffles me why we sent Frederick Gilbert out on loan, who for me is a very, very good right back. Mm. Not better than Matty Cash but he can do a job and yet you've it's just, and you got Armia Mohammed. It's just a weird
0: one. But... It's just typical as well that Matty Cash's injury comes a week, two weeks after he's sent out on loan as well. So it's yeah. not, it's not even as if I mean I don't. If we had a, a callback clause, I think we'd probably have triggered it by now. But it's just yeah. so annoying, isn't it? Like another a couple of weeks yeah. earlier, and we'd have had that right back position sorted. But I feel yeah. like we've spent enough time talking about that. So we'll move on to the <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, we'll we <laughs> <laughs> I was actually really looking forward to this one. Leeds against Chelsea at Ellen Road. Leeds with that high pressure attacking football. And then Chelsea with their possession ball as well. And such good defensive stats this season. It shaped up to be a good game, didn't it? Although it ended 1-1, it, I wasn't...
1: 0-0, sorry. I wasn't disappointed. 0-0, yeah. How about you? I, it was a... It was a very end to end game, but the one standout for me in that game uh, for, uh, was Mendy, this Chelsea goalkeeper. Yeah. I thought he I made think both some, keepers actually great, had some saves. great saves. Yeah. saves. Well, uh, yeah, both keepers did. But for me, you, I was watching uh, the game and you look at some of the saves that Mendy made, especially. Mm. And he, I think he was my man of the match. And he, Even though it was a nil-nil, as you said, it wasn't a boring draw. No. It was a very entertaining game.
0: Mm. No, no, I've been mean, I've given a lot of criticism to Meslier over the season. But I think he made yeah. eight eight saves that game and Mendy yeah. as well had a as you say had a really good game and that one save he made in particular off the corner I think it was when he was already diving one way and then he had to readjust and he
1: stuck his hand out yeah. yeah it was a great save. Past the post. It was a great
0: save, wasn't it? But um Yeah. What do you think about yeah. Battenford's injury for Leeds? Dreck and that's going to be a big miss for them.
1: To be honest, I think he is because, yeah, Patrick Bamford's, we all know, obviously, that everyone has their mm. opinions on him, but you cannot <laughs> deny that he is a good Premier League striker. He's finally put in the Premier League this season. season. He's yeah. got, he's powerful, exactly. He's a powerful striker who's got a bit of pace and even a bit of flair about him, mm. but he's a finisher. And I think that's something that Leeds are going to miss, definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean they've got Fulham and Sheffield United up next. So it might not be too much of a miss. But as you say he's, mm. he's a, I think he's scored 13 or 14 goals this season, hasn't he? He's, and I think he's created yes. about 10, probably more than
1: that actually. So he's going to be a mm. massive massive miss. One thing I like about Banford is he throws his weight about. He's a bully on that pitch yeah. to some of the centre backs. And I mean, you saw it in many games this season where he's managed to beat the defence and score goals that were actually very good finishes. Mm. And he's just, he's one of those, he, he reminds me of a Dimitar Berbatov. Yeah. To put it politely, because he's that goal poacher that you need. Mm. He can always find the best positions on the pitch and score goals from him. He's just yeah. that. He's a Dimitar Berbatov a ve- with a better
0: work. Great, isn't he? <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Dimitar Berbatov was to run about for 90 minutes like headless chicken, maybe you can... <laughs> well,
1: one player, though, I'm I, going off of Leeds uh, uh, at the minute, yeah. going back to Chelsea, one player that I'm glad is finally playing well in the Premier League at the minute is Kai Havertz. I was just going to mention I mean, that, actually, yeah.
0: It was great to see him get yeah. some game time, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, the last two games uh, for Chelsea been actually very good yeah. and you can see the confidence starting to grow in this player same mm. as Timo Werner as well I, know, I mean yeah. you look at that Liverpool game he was all over the pitch there and it's mm. just the confidence building and maybe you can see think that's a Thomas Ushel impact straight yeah. away I think it's because probably going to so, be the German they, there's something there isn't there there's instant exactly. chemistry Exactly, but even before that, even when Lampard was in mm. German chemistry, but they just didn't seem to gel. And yeah. yet, uh, two shellers come in, and yet they're playing really well. And yeah. you think that maybe, obviously, obviously, it's going to be different tactics. But you can just see that two is probably focused on Havertz and Werner for that link. And yet, yeah. it's working, and it's paying yeah. off. I was gutted for
0: him. He had that uh, really good chance, didn't he, Havertz? It th- was ended up one on yeah. one with the keeper, and he just took another step to. Probably too much. Too far, just yeah. got his shot. I mean, I was gutted it didn't go in for him. But as you say, he's playing really, really well, as is Timo Werner as well. I was surprised he didn't start, actually, considering yeah, how definitely. wide Leeds play with the gaps through the middle. I think Ziyech, uh Mount, I don't think he started, actually, did he? But as you say, Havertz no. as well, finding him through the middle, I think they'd have had a lot of joy through mm. that. But then again, I'm here talking about it, not actually doing it. So that's yeah, we'll leave exactly. The, we'll leave that to Tushar. Yeah. Sure. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he knows better enough. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to add, there, mate? Before we move on,
1: not really. Other than Rafinha is a baller, and mm. to be honest, I don't. I'll be shocked next season if a tops if a top six club or even a big foreign club come after him. I can see him be going on in the summer.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a great player, isn't he? And he's really showing yeah. some flair. And mm. with him playing at Leeds, you know, he's got the work rate and the proper attitude to be a proper top player as well, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can see the he's got pace, he's got skill, yeah. he's got brilliant vision finding uh, his Leeds teammates. He's just that... Mm an all-round player and he's just cut it in the Premier League and I think he'll go places. He's got a
0: great set piece on him as well, to be fair to him. Mm. Something that we miss, actually. I mean, I doubt he'd go from Leeds to Villa, but it's the the kind of transfer we need, isn't it? That flair winger, someone like Rafinha or Neto at Wolves, someone like that. Someone who's, as I say, got a bit of flair and something about them. Someone who can, other than Jack, who can just change a game.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree completely.
0: I don't think there's too much more that we can really add there. So we'll move no, on to I the think next game all up, between yeah. Palace and West Brom. Palace did win 1-0 from a Milivojevic penalty. What were your thoughts on this one, pal?
1: Well, well, we all know after that game, I think it's safe <laughs> to say that West Brom is Jalbian uh, back in the Championship. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Villa fan. It's it's certain now. I mean, then what? About twelve points behind uh, Fulham now, or something stupid like that. Eight
0: points off Fulham and ten points off Newcastle.
1: Well, yeah, around there. But I mean, you look at West to make up. But you look at that game. For me, West Brom were the better side. But Mm. the problem with that was it was just wasted opportunities. I mean, you look at players like Gallagher. Mm. I think had a shot in the first half that he just. For sod it, I'm hitting this outside the <laughs> box. Then it's it, it, West Brom's problem for me in that game was they worked the ball really well, but as yeah. soon as they get close to the box, they think sod it, 30 yard screamer, and that was yeah. the problem. And none of the shots were on target or ever troubling the goalkeeper, mm. and that was uh, Baggies' problem. And for that, you can see why that the championship bounds they just yeah. lacked creativity in the final third. I think you've put that perfectly
0: to be honest with you mate Um, I thought other than the penalty which was a Mm. definite penalty wasn't it Um, I thought it was a fairly fairly boring game if I'm being honest with you but um, yeah just it was. I just don't enjoy watching either of these teams but just the way that both teams set out particularly um, West Brom as well I think if they still had Billichin I think they'd be really giving it a good go but just the way well, Allardyce this... plays is defensive, boring football. I think that's really affected them.
1: Well, one thing I reckon: Do you think Sam Allardyce will actually end up walking from West Bromwich Albion because of his Premier League record <laughs> that he hasn't sent a club down? This I is what I was just going to ask you about
0: myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a
1: lot <of> great minds <laughs> like. exactly right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um Uh, It wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest with you. I think it will probably get to a couple of weeks before it being confirmed, and then it will just walk.
1: Yeah. Do you know one player I felt sorry for? You have, you have. But one player I felt sorry for in that game was Sam Johnston we, be, as soon as the penalty happened? But before the penalty happened, because I went to VAR for it, didn't mm. I? He made an incredible save. Yeah. Obviously, the move that led up to the penalty, but if you watch it, he made an incredible save. Mm. And you think with Sam Johnston, surely he will not stay at West Bromwich oh, Albion next he season.
0: Can't do, he can't do He's a no. really, really good keeper. I mean, we saw it at Villa, didn't we? He was a brilliant yeah. keeper back then, and I was gutted when he went to West Brom but he's a he, he had his really obviously faults at the
1: keeper. start yeah he had his faults at the start when he signed for villa but any keeper does and mm. yet he grew in that villa shirt and as soon as he went to West Bromwich Albion this was when we were having all our financial troubles and you yeah, saw it in us course. all I saw was villa fans being absolutely gutted that he went there because mm. we knew we lost out on a great keeper there yeah
0: exactly but you say that, and we've ended up with Emmy Martinez now. Emmy <laughs> Martinez is even better. So, you know what? It's a
1: blessing in disguise.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Every cloud.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But um, in all seriousness, though, do you reckon that Sam Johnston should be in the England squad to go to the Euros? At the moment,
1: it's hard because you see, we've got you've got the keepers that we've got in the minute as. Jordan Pickford, Dean Henderson and Nick Pope. Mm. The only f- one out of those three I consider swapping Sam Johnson for is Jordan Pickford.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and the problem with Southgate is he's very stubborn. He Absolutely, he's going to keep yeah. on picking Pickford because of how well he played in the World Cup. <laughs> that's I I, I I know it sounds stupid but that's my opinion. No, he always he's played exactly every- right
0: as well though. That's the thing.
1: It, I mean, you look at Nick Pope. For me, Nick Pope should be our starter for Mm. uh, the Euros. Definitely. Uh, But he'll always play Jordan Pickford because he's got that big competition experience. Mm. So the three I've just mentioned, Pickford, Henderson and Pope, those are the ones that will be going to the Euros. And it's a shame really that Sam Johnson will probably miss out on that because I think he deserves it. He certainly does. it is what it is.
0: And I've actually said when speaking to Dad before that... It's often the lower teams in the Premier League and that who actually have overall better defenders, if you like, because they're they're yeah. doing more, aren't they? They're doing their job more than a John Stones, although he's been brilliant this season.
1: Yeah, he's finally John Stones, before.
0: Maguire, players like that. They just don't defend as much at, at bigger clubs, do they? Whereas players like no. Johnston, Mings, to a certain extent, Conza. They're constantly defending. Connor
1: Connor Cody is another one. Connor Cody,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you say, a lot of these lower or the play or the defenders, sorry, for these lower teams, if you like, lower down in the division. That's not saying that any of them are small or anything like that, but these teams down in the division, like a lot of them have quality centre-backs and Tarkowski's another one that's just sprung to mind as well they don't get enough credit for Mm. what they deserve and their stance not might not be perfect but that's because they're having to do so much more at their job
1: yeah exactly i completely agree
0: (laughs) next up for west brom is chelsea so it certainly doesn't get any easier for the baggies whereas palace have everton which leads us perfectly into the next game of course which was Everton against Burnley both clubs at different ends of the table looking for Everton looking for european football and although they're not going to get relegated Burnley are in 15th place so going into it on paper you would have, you would have expected an Everton win but football's a funny game isn't it it did finish 2-1 to Burnley with Chris Wood and Dwight McNeil getting the goals for the clarets what happened to Burnley in that first thirty minutes of that game, mate? They, t- it, it's like they reminded me of Dynamo, you know, the magician. They somehow <laughs> turned turned into a very unBurnley-like team, scoring two very good goals. McNeil's in particular was a beautiful goal. McNeil's, wasn't it? yeah. What are your but,
1: thoughts? I mean, I actually missed the first thirty minutes of the game, let alone. But I've already watched the highlights. But uh, Dwight McNeil, I mean. Let's not forget about Chris Wood's goal because that was an excellent finish. Yeah, a great but finish Dwight finish. McNeil's was such a belter of a goal. It reminds mm. me of one of those finesse shots that you score <laughs> on the FIFA game. That's how good it was. It really <laughs> was. So, keep wasn't it? No, exactly. Keeper having no chance. But as you said, Burnley looked absolutely incredible during that, and it it just shows that how solid that team looks. I mean, you've got very good players in there. For mm-hmm. me, Ashley Westwood, one of them, Dwight McNeil, you've got a big bully like Chris Wood, but the standout player for me in that Burnley game was Vidra. The yeah, amount of chances he, he created game, he? In, uh, exactly, the amount of chances he created for Burnley in that first half especially was mm-hmm. phenomenal and he, he, for me, he's the one that's going to pull Burnley towards the uh, safety line this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, I think Burnley uh, are already safe. But as you say, Vidra looked really, really good, and with someone like Chris Wood up top, who he's able to create chances from, and then getting back to McNeil, his deliveries for a 21-year-old are brilliant, aren't they? And
1: I can see Dwight McNeil going far in the Premier League. I, really uh, can as well. he, I mean, again, I mean you. I know. Obviously, we're going to go back to many related <laughs> topics, but you look at the game against us at Turf Moor, and he mm-hmm. was their best player for me. Yeah, he was the one that was creating opportunities, crosses. I mean, yes, he scored that goal, which was a bit controversial. I thought it was a bit <laughs> lucky, but still, he, he, there's a player there, and he yeah, showed very, especially yes. on Saturday night against Everton the mm-hmm. fact that he can create that goal that he scores. He, he, he's just yeah. that all round player that Burnley need, and that will help yeah. Burnley as I said as you said Burnley are practically safe but just to confirm it it will help yeah. Burnley just to get drive to that towards that finish line have a positive <laughs> end to the season yeah
0: um
1: another player that I
0: like is that Josh Brownhill as well I know Villa, Brownhill, a yeah. lot of uh there's been a lot on Twitter hasn't there about Villa supposedly being linked with him and a lot of Villa fans aren't too happy with it which just baffles me because I, I think he's a really good player myself <laughs>
1: Josh Brownhill is a good player, but regarding Villa, do you think he can get into that Villa side? That's the only problem. Why? I don't think I he'll think get Villa into fans. the
0: Villa side. I think he'll get into the squad, but I don't think he'll get into the team. But for you, just need to look at the likes of Man City. They've built an empire, haven't they? Essentially, yeah. Like take De Bruyne out of that team, and they're still the best team in the league. Whereas you oh take, yeah, without a doubt, and that's what Villa need to do, isn't it? They need to. We need to build a good squad rather than just just a good 11, which the signing of Anson will do. What the signing of someone like Josh Brownhill will do. But it's down to him, really, whether he'd want to become a squad player, a team pushing for Europe like Villa, or whether he wants to go somewhere else and kind of be the main man in that midfield.
1: Exactly. He looks like a dominant midfielder that uh, Josh Brownhill does. Reminds me a bit like McGill as
0: well, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Except uh, Josh Brownhill hasn't been lazy the past few games. (laughs) Exactly. uh, No, I I, I completely agree with what you're saying about Josh Brownhill. But, to be honest, I don't think he's a player that Aston Villa will need, if I'm Mm. honest. But, you can see that there's a quality player there. He's just got Very good players around him at Burnley, though, at the minute. That's what helps. As you said, with a tight unit, like at Man City, that's what helps players gel. And you can see those players at Burnley, how well they are all working together.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, mate. But um, going over to Everton and Calvert-Lewin's back scoring, do you reckon he should be a starter for
1: England? No, he shouldn't (laughs) be a starter for England straight away. I mean, you're not going to beat Harry. Uh, nice. it, you're not going to beat Harry Kane in a striker's position, are <laughs> you? I mean, Southgate place, one striker landing up top. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be great as an impact sub, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but you're not going to take Harry Kane out of that striker yeah. position, uh, especially with the creativity that the English side at the minute can mm-hmm. put around Harry Kane. The, yeah. England don't need to play two strikers if I'm yeah. honest, at the uh, European Championship, so as I said, great impact sub, but mm. wouldn't start for me.
0: I mean, I'd like to take one of those defenders and put them further forward. If I'm being honest with you, and playing four at the back, but as I yeah. you say, you're not, you're not beating Harry Kane to that squad. But who would be your three strikers to take to the Euros then, or four? Uh, well,
1: obviously Harry Kane. Mm. Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be another one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the first striker. I'd take Rashford and play him as a striker Mm. just because we've got enough wingers where we don't need Marcus Rashford to play in that winger role as he does for Man United. I mean, he's played striker many times this season for Manchester United. So for for me, because you've got the likes of on the wing, Sancho, Sterling, Grealish, you can play Foden in behind. You don't need Marcus Rashford as a winger. So that's why I play Marcus Rashford as my third striker.
0: Very interesting. Personally, I would take either uh, Watkins or Danny Ings myself, but I can't see him taking Watkins if I'm being perfectly honest with you just yet. I think is nice. with it being his first year in the Premier League, although he's had a great first year in the Premier League. I think he'd much rather stick to his tried and tested Danny Ings.
1: Yeah. I mean, those players that have already played for England, they've got the experience. Yeah. It'd be a big risk taking Ollie Watkins mm. to the Euros if I was Gareth Southgate. Not that, I don't think he'll cut it. I think he will. Mm. I think he'll do yeah. a great job for England, but he just hasn't got that experience for me that you need to go to that European Championships.
0: Mm. Um, last question on this one. Can Everton really get European football?
1: I mean, you look at the teams around them. I mean, you've got Tottenham, you've got Arsenal popping up the table now as well. You've got yeah. us. Uh, honestly, I think Everton will just miss out. I think there's mm. better teams than Everton in the Premier League at the minute. For me, I think those European players will consist of, obviously, the top four, uh, the big six, like you've got Chelsea, Man United, uh, Man City, uh, You've got Liverpool as well in there, but you've got Arsenal, Tottenham, Everton, us. uh, You've just got there's eight there, but (laughs) I think Everton, all honestly, just miss out straight away. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a shame with how well they started off in the season. I mean, you look at those first four games, they were winning the league, but Mm. uh, they were top of the league. But uh, so was Southampton. uh, I can see them missing (laughs) out. Yeah, stop the count. (laughs) but uh, no I I think Everton will miss out which is unfortunate Mm.
0: but they'll come back yeah I'm sure they will Um, the final game on Saturday was when league leaders Man City travelled to Craven Cottage to take on in-form relegation (laughs) beckoned Fulham which of course ended the only way it was only ever going to end with a Man City 3-0 win Um, Madger started on the bench for Fulham what did you think of that maybe a bit too negative from Scott Parker
1: think it was, but you. I can see why Park, Scott Parker did it. He went through a defensive formation that mm. game, which anything, which you can't blame Scott Parker for no. doing. When you've got a team like Man City coming, who, let's be honest, they practically won the league for me at yeah. the, uh, Manchester City. You've got a set of defensive, and you can see many teams doing it this season. Mm. I mean, Josh Madgett, yes, he's been Fulham's bright spark. But you look at the defence as well, how well the defence has played uh, Fulham over the last few games, especially against Liverpool, uh, when they got that one uh, nil victory. And I can see why Parker did it. It's a shame when looking at the game, because obviously City were a dominant side. But you look at the second and third goal that Man City scored. The problem with that was they were just trying to play out from the bat too cleverly. Fulham did. Uh, on twice in those uh for the second and third goal both were very similar where they just made a mistake mm. and yet Jesus uh, and Aguero have scored and yet we, if you're fighting for survival you cannot be making those estates, no. mistakes no matter who you play yeah we made similar mistakes last
0: season didn't we that just ended up exactly. leading to goals and you just can't afford for things like that to happen Um but as you say, though, who can blame Fulham after the way that they've defended the past few weeks? Who can blame them to for just trying to sit up and soak the pressure that Man City were obviously going to put on them? And I mean, it worked mm. for the first half, didn't it? But then that Pep team yeah. talked something special, and then John Stones, of all people, put Man City head. And then after that, they just kept on coming, didn't they? 3-0 up by the hour mark. Yeah. Aguero got his first goal for 14 months as well. And then, as you say, Jesus as well getting on the score sheet. Um, I don't know, though. Do you reckon Fulham will get out of it? Do you reckon they've got enough? Or is it, I mean, it's going to be you, a close one.
1: It's going to be a very close one. For me, at the minute, Fulham will, but you've got to wait until Newcastle's uh, best players come back, like Almiron mm. and Sam Maximan, because they're yeah. going to be the ones that oh, will Cameron provide Wilson the firepower one, for yeah. the Geordies. Yeah. And Callum Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, for me, um, it's going to be a very, very good relegation battle coming yeah. the end of the I, season. I'm certainly looking to be, forward to it. <laughs> to be honest, I want Fulham to stay up. I, I think they're well, a very good honest. side yeah. and they'll keep on improving uh, because they've got some quality players. Like I know, obviously, Ariola's mm. on loan, but, mate, if they stay up, you never know, he might sign permanently yeah. next season. Joachim Anderson, how good of a centre-back he is at the minute. Fantastic, You've got... Josh Josh Madger again on loan, I believe, uh, from yeah. Bordeaux. I'm not too sure on that. Mm-hmm. But stay up, you sign signing permanent. You can see he's cutting it in the Premier League already. Yeah. Uh, Mitrovic, who's a good, solid, powerful striker, as everyone knows. They've got the quality in the players there. Mm-hmm. And if they do stay up, I just think Fulham will be a side that will have the manager playing a squad that the fans will be happy with yeah. and the style of football that the fans will be happy with. And I think Fulham will just be that Fulham side in the early de- uh, 2010s and 2009s, yeah. even going to the time when they were in the UA for cup final, that was a shocker. <laughs> and I believe that was against the Atletico Madrid. I won't go that far, but hopefully we see. I was going to say, Hope- Villa aren't uh, there yet. let not over yeah, Fulham are. <laughs> but hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll see Fulham just climb up that table again next season, like we did.
0: Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Scott Parker's doing a brilliant job there, isn't he? And, the way he's built that squad and worked with that squad into, I mean, they were written off, weren't they to be relegation? They were just completely written off and the way that they've just come back and proven everyone wrong. And they've played some really good, really attractive football in, in the process of doing that. So I really hope that they stay up, whether it will be Newcastle or Brighton, even that go down I mean, it's going to be, as you say, a very interesting one. And it's so much better when you're not in it, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's
0: stress-free.
1: it.
0: Saying that, though, uh, we'll be moving on. And Sunday saw four games take place, the first of which was at St Mary's as Southampton hosted Brighton in the South Coast derby. A game where both teams are massively underperforming. Southampton, after such a good start to the season... Don't stop the count, or stop the count, should I say? <laughs> <laughs> and won just one in their past eleven games after their two-one loss to Brighton. What were your thoughts on this one, mate? And where is Southampton going so wrong?
1: Um, it's hard to say where Southampton are going wrong because yeah, look at them; they haven't really lost any key, significant players over the past few months. Uh, Obviously, I mean, one player that he's picking up for with Southampton is Trey Adams at the moment. He's finally yeah. scoring some goals in the Premier League. And it's just, I think each team goes for an unlucky spell, unless yeah. you're Man City. Each <laughs> team goes for an unlucky spell during the Premier League. Season. Even Man City I went through South- a
0: dodgy spell, didn't well, they? Well, to be honest, season?
1: yeah, uh, exactly. And I think Southampton have just been struck with that at the minute. And mm. I think Hassan Hoovel is doing an excellent job there because when he took yeah. over in December 2018, I think it was all around then, yeah. Southampton were almost... Everyone yeah. thought Southampton were getting relegated from the Premier League. I know. So, uh, he's done a great job. I just think they've gotten just a dip in form at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brighton, uh, moving on to Brighton's uh, quickly. I This is going to be a controversial point here, but for me... I do not great Graham Potter as a manager. Really? I do not.
0: Really? For me,
1: I feel I feel like he plays too defensively. And his tactics of creating chances is sticking a six foot four, six foot five lanky Dan Burn <laughs> up front, who's a centre back, to try and get uh to try and create opportunities. And for me, watching that is just so frustrating. You're not getting your midfield. Mm. I mean, I know uh, Trossard scored the second. Uh and Lewis Dunkey was a great header, don't get me wrong, from Lewis Dunk that first goal, pinpoint accuracy. But it's just uh, frustrating how you watch Brighton and yet you see Dan Byrne on that left-hand side of the pitch just scoot forward and their idea of creating chances most of the time is whipping it in, trying to get it to Dan Byrne's head. <laughs> I, I can see where you're coming from, but I think
0: the problem that Brighton have had this season a lot of it has come from the players around him. I don't think, given an ideal scenario, I can't imagine Graham Potter saying that he would prefer someone like Dan Byrne there <laughs> in that <laughs> in that left-back spot over, uh, I mean, Target. Just, that's just an example. A Luke Shaw, yeah. Cresswell, someone like that, you know. I mean, I can't believe I've just named three English left-backs. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Yeah, I I mean, I can't see that that's really Graham Potter's ideal team. And I think if he was to go to a Villa or an Everton or someone like that, someone, or even a Southampton, for example, someone, you know, someone like that, I reckon he'd do a really good job. And I think he could get them pushing for um, European football. I just think that the way Graham Potter plays football personally I find it really attractive and it helps having someone like Dan Byrne there to whip the balls into. But, I mean, they they create create enough chances other than that for me.
1: For me, I disagree. I find Grand Potter a very defensive manager. Really? And that soaks up the pressure uh, a little too much for my liking. Hmm. And yet, their attacking for me is very slow. I mean, and just the way that they use I don't this is just probably me just looking picking out points but from what I've seen I just don't like the way they play I, as you said with different players in that position more attacking yeah. players it could be a good manager but this is just me basing it off Brighton and that's all yeah. I've seen of Graham Potter and what I've seen I don't like and that's mm. why I'm sort, I'm picking out points like the Dan Burn one where mm. I feel like Brighton can improve and with their midfield and attacking players. I mean, they've got goal scorers, like, more high. They, I mean, that I know he's not much of a goal scorer anymore, but Danny Welbeck can do a job for me yeah. still, if we're that Brighton side. And yet, you're still piling up your centre-backs like Dunk and Dan Burns to hopefully get you a little bit of luck with the goals that you score. I, I know what you're saying,
0: but... It always helps, in my opinion, when you've got someone like Lewis Dunk getting away from Dan Burn. Because mm. I'll be honest with you, I'm not his biggest. <laughs> I'm not his biggest fan, but it helps. Ha- <laughs> it helps having those tall players from corners, free kicks, and things like that to get their head on. And when you've got someone who's got a good delivery on them as well, it's always a massive hand, isn't it? When oh yeah, hundred percent. Like You can just kind of create a goal out of nothing. And I think it's something, getting back to Villa, I think it's something that we really miss. The, with the amount of free kicks that Grealish or manages to win, and McGinn as well, I think he's up in the top five for fouls won. With the amount of fouls that we get, we should be scoring 10-plus goal, set-piece goals a season
1: in my books. Well, it goes back to the point of the tweet I made the other day, the fact that we're the second uh, highest clean sheets in the league Mm. and yet we're ninth in the league. So it just shows our problem with our attacking players at the moment. Mm. So something's got to change next season if we do want to push for Europe again. Mm.
0: But, I mean, you look at sides like like Brighton, like um, West Ham as well, who they can whip a ball in and they know that they're going to have a standard decent chance of scoring a goal from a corner or a free kick or something like that. And Villagers mm. don't have that. I mean, I'm saying every time we get a corner, please just one good ball. That's all I'm asking for someone to get their we head on. We be can't beat the first man at the moment.
1: That's I our know, problem. I mean, it's so in-
0: infuriating. And I mean, we need someone like, I mean, Grealish should be good enough to do it, really, to put a decent ball into the box for Mings or Conza or Davis when he's on or someone like that to attack, you know? But it just, as you say, it just hits the first man.
1: But... Um, I mean, you, you go back to the comparison. I've seen many people put on Facebook and tweets about this saying that they've turned up to a Sunday league game hungover and yet they can still be balling past the first man. <laughs> no,
0: no, I mean... you. Can't go wrong, can you? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not wrong. Sorry, is what I should say. Um, but getting back to Southampton though, and the way they're performing now, I th- I think that they just overachieved at the beginning of the season, and it's mm. kind of caught up with them. I don't think they've been particularly good all season, if I'm being honest with you. But they were nice. just they were able to pick up results then, weren't they? Uh, that mm. they just can't do now.
1: I think that was the problem, as you said, at the start of the season where they were relying on Danny Ings too much because he was providing the goals for Southampton at the start of the season. And now you look now, and Danny Ings is actually struggling to score. And I think that's just because teams have found uh, at the start of the season, each team, it takes a few games to figure the other one out. And yet when you watch him. And I think that's Southampton's problem at the moment. I think they're a team that everyone's figured out and yet they're not changing their ways about it. And they're playing the same sort of style that they always do. And that goes back to the point where they're just having that blip at the moment. So for me, maybe Ralph has to change something. Mm. Uh, Maybe he's already changed quite a lot of things. But that's, for me, is the only way Southampton are going to improve. I suppose you could say that's
0: similar to Klopp at Liverpool as well, though. Like, they got beat by Villa 7-2. And yet, against Chelsea, who have got fast wingers with Timo Werner, he refuses to change anything about their high line. You'd have expected a side like Liverpool, with how well they've been over the past few seasons, that they'd be able to change something, wouldn't you?
1: Mm, I think it was, goes back to the fact, going with Clark, how he was very stubborn. He kept the same team for those last two seasons, yeah. especially the Premier League title season, because he barely had any injuries. And he's finally got a lot of injuries now, and that's caught up with him. And that's the problem that Liverpool's having, where the missing players like Van Dijk, Henderson's just gone off injured. Uh, I think when Mane uh, had COVID, he was out yeah. for a bit. Uh, Alisson, when he was injured. They've had uh, Alexander on. They've had a lot of injuries, mm. and that has yeah, yeah. finally caught up with Liverpool because Klopp's tried playing the same tactics with different players, and it hasn't worked.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the red bus situation, isn't it? You don't get anything for ages and then two come along at once. Or in Liverpool's yeah. case, 25
1: come along at once. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. He's just got a long injury list uh, <laughs> now. and it's a, it's a shame, but Klopp, as I said, never changed it. He wanted to yeah. play the exact same way. Yeah. And yet that's his problem. He's very stubborn and he's been found out and punished for it. Yeah. And that's why Liverpool are just in decline and they're sixth in the table.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to add to the Southampton Brighton game, mate?
1: I think we've covered all, uh, <laughs> all of the points on the Southampton game. To be honest, pal. All right,
0: then. So in the next game, Leicester hosted Sheffield United. Um, Sheffield United going into this game managerless after the departure of Chris Wilder, which I don't know about you, mate, but that was a very strange one for me. I just really I thought it don't was a very understand controversial the decision, decision behind getting rid of uh, getting rid of him, and it reminds me of. <sighs> Watford last season sacking Nigel Pearson, which in my opinion actually ended up sending them down and keeping up a, keeping
1: us up, should I say? Um, what are your but with Nigel Pearson? The game? With Nigel going back to Nigel Pearson, sorry. The problem mm. with that was they came with the stories that he was violent towards one of his players, and I think that was the reason why he was gone. But for me. There's no better person to get Sheffield United out of the championship than Chris Wilder yeah. with the squad he had to get that side promoted in 2019. It was, i say, it was a worse squad than ours, if I was honest. Oh, we, uh, yeah. on paper, and yet you look at how, what he did there and the way the, fo- the football that he plays, and it worked. Mm. And he took uh, Sheffield United from League, I think it was, was it League One that yeah, he took them yeah, out One. of? And he, yeah, and he took them straight to the champion. Uh, to the Premier League. Uh, the second time of asking, I want to say Sheffield yeah. United is in the championship. And for me, it's, as you said, it's a very strange one where I think that Sheffield United are going to be punished for it because I've seen stories today and yesterday that Neil Lennon is being considered mm. as the next Sheffield United manager and you've just gone with that reaction. <laughs> Oof. You yeah. look at the poor job he's done at <laughs> Celtic this season with the poor football he's played and I think Celtic mm. fans can uh, agree with me how... Yeah. Uh, the side haven't been performing as well because of the way Lennon, uh, Lennon has set up that side and yet if he goes there, I think it's just going to be a sh- struggle for Sheffield United to get back into the Premier League. I completely agree with you, mate.
0: Um, getting into this game though, uh, Kalecci and Atcho finally showing that he can be a good, op- good option once he gets some playing time and personally he was just a dominant force wasn't (laughs) he I'm over the moon for the kid especially watching his post-match interview as well what were your thoughts on him
1: to be honest, he was just a dominant performance by Cleccia in yeah. that show. Yeah, he just got himself in the right positions, especially that uh, his goal where he secured the yeah. hat-trick, uh, where it just, I think it was about 30, 35 yards, <laughs> out and he just thunk the ball into that bottom right yeah. corner. It was a phenomenal goal. Maybe the defenders should have closed him down, but that's another point we'll make later yeah. if we uh, need to. But as you said, we're happy for Cleccia uh, in that show. He's finally yeah. showed the quality that and the hype that everyone thought he had when he was a player at Manchester City. He's gone to Leicester City. And as you said, he, I'm just happy for him. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, it always helps playing along someone like Vardy, doesn't it? Who obviously yeah. hates Sheffield United for his own personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, once that's... I mean, the first, the first half was... I mean, I thought Leicester were much the dominant force if you like. Oh yeah. But um once that second half came though and they got that second goal, they just wouldn't stop going in, would they, for Leicester? It was just the problem was, goal after goal Sheffield, after goal.
1: It it was. And the one problem with that was that Sheffield United's heads just dropped. They yeah. had a you can see obviously the player it's been a tough week for the club all round mm. But as soon as that second goal went in, the heads just dropped. And it was almost like when you were, when you play for when you were uh, say about twelve years old and you're playing for your local team, uh, <laughs> your, lo- your your pals team and stuff like that, your local seven a side uh, on a Sunday league, and you've got dads v kids in training. <laughs> That's the best way I could describe that uh, <laughs> game in that second half. I think you've
0: put that perfect. <laughs> I think you put that <laughs> perfectly, mate. Um, one point I wanted to make though was why couldn't Villa play Sheffield United after they would just sacked Wilder? They looked all over the place, weren't they? (laughs) They looked like they've never played a
1: Premier League game before. (laughs) That was the problem. Uh, To be
0: honest with you, the team they've got—I'm surprised they still are.
1: (laughs) I know, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it—it's the Sheffield United squad's very similar to West Bromwich Albion's. They're not a Premier League. They haven't got Premier League quality on paper. If you look at it, same as West Bromwich Albion, and you can see why those two sides are basically in the Championship right now. Do I feel sorry for Sheffield United? Not really, because maybe it wasn't Chris Wilder's decision. I believe it's the board that have got this all wrong. Mm. We've, when you spend about £25-30 on your club record signers, Rian Brewster, <laughs> who hasn't scored a goal this season. And even their previous club record signing was Callum Robinson, a Villa reject mm. that we sent out to Bristol yeah. City. He's gone to <laughs> play in the Premier League for Sheffield United, and now he's ended up... He went to on loan to a then-championship side West Bromwich Albion, who's now in the Premier League, who are destined to go back into the championship again. The board have got it completely wrong for me for Sheffield United. And they've been punished. And that's why I don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for the fans, yes. The club, no, because it's just been a shambles at Sheffield United for me.
0: I completely agree, mate. And uh, as you said, their club record signing's real Brewster. And when you're paying... 60 million in total for Brewster, McBurney and Darren Ramsdale. It speaks volumes, doesn't it? Of how, of how poorly the club's being run, really.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think the problem uh, that Sheffield... To be honest, I'm not going to say a problem about Sheffield United anymore. The one thing I am going to say is there's only one player I'd probably take out of the Sheffield United squad as a Villa fan and that's Berg in the centre of midfield because yeah. he is a quality player you mm. saw the hype when he came to the Premier League for Sheffield United, the Sheffield United fans loved him, he was an instant hit in Sheffield United mm. and he's got quality and he's the only player I'd take out of Sheffield United yeah. squad because the rest of them uh as I said, a championship quality at best.
0: Mm. Yeah, I completely agree mate, I do like Sanderberg, and as you said there was a lot of hype when he came to the league um, I mean, I'd be all for him coming to Villa, especially if we can get a decent price for them if they go down. And I think they've really missed him as well since he's been out injured. I mean, you can see just how bad they've been playing. And I think he's been, or him missing, should I say, he's been a large part of that. Yeah, definitely.
1: 100%. And Injuries or not though Going back to that I don't think if Sheffield United had their full squad They'd be I don't think they'd be in any better position than they are at the moment I really don't I know what I you're mean, saying
0: the... But the I mean the three centre-backs Of um, Egan, O'Connell And what's the other one's name I can't remember it <laughs> <Egan> <laughs> L- Is it Ludstrom? No, the they call him the train, don't they? I can't remember. Anyway, the other one. The yeah, we'll, Basham, yeah, Basham, that's it. Basham, 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 Basham that's <laughs> it. Egan, Basham and O'Connell. I think last season, they had them three fit all season, which yeah. and they've been playing with each other since League One, as we were saying earlier. And mm. that, with them, they've been solid th- since League One to the Premier League last season. And that injury to McConnell. O'Connell, sorry, was the first thing going wrong and then they yeah. had an injury to Egan so they've got two um, junior centre-backs if you like, haven't I mean, they? Having to play that Ampadu yeah. and that Brian, and it's just not going to work for a team playing those kinds of players, as you can see and yeah, I mean, there's no doubt whether they're going to go down, is there?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think the one problem that I've got as well with uh, Sheffield United going back to the centre mats mm. is you got O'Connell, Egan, Basham. As you said, the Welwyn League one, they've got that chemistry. Uh, Ampadu and uh, it was your one you just mentioned. You ever said Sheffield I think United his name centre is. Brian? Yeah, they haven't got the uh, chemistry, and you can see the amount of gaps in that game mm. against. Uh, in many games this season, where they've played, and yeah, Ampadu played very well. Don't go wrong. Sheffield United defence was solid against us, but. They typically. just haven't got that quality. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but they just haven't got that quality for me to stay in the Premier League, and that is why, yeah. as I said many times during this point, going through this game that they've gone down to the Championship. Take nothing away from Leicester for that game. They showed up. They were very professional in what they mm. did. They didn't feel sorry for Sheffield United. They battered <laughs> them. And uh, uh, why would you feel sorry for them in a football <laughs> game? But they're but you can see the point I'm trying to make. They battered them, yeah. they turned up, got the job done. But Sheffield United 2 0 down, the heads went, they didn't mm-hmm. want to care anymore. They know yeah. they're down. They just got, for me, as Sheffield United's Poor. Uh, you've got to make a full rebuild mm-hmm. on that club for next season. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add, mate? Or is that it?
1: That's it, really. I think we've gone cool. through all that we needed to on that game.
0: Spurs Arsenal was up next, then. The North London Derby. Going into it, um, with the form that Harry Kane and Gareth Bale have been on. I'll be honest, I was expecting a Spurs win, but with the game with the way that the game went, sorry, I felt that Arsenal thoroughly deserved it. Um Spurs were obviously very hit hard when Sond went off with a hamstring injury after just 20 minutes, which then saw Eric Lamella come on, and then I mean, what can you say, man? What a goal just the audacity it, to pull off a reboder in yeah. the derby it was just i mean you with that goal you
1: saw i think it was regulon's reaction who yeah. started that it move. was brilliant regulon <laughs> <laughs> i think it, it, it was just like oh that's it, like, why yeah. <laughs> like, you know what's the thing But you say going with that lamella goal it, everyone was talking about how uh, good the goal was but then that has just been completely wiped with how stupid he was yeah. to receive that red card. It I mean, you look exactly at Mourinho's it, reaction it? when it happens. I mean, it showed a replay of when Lamela got sent off. You mm. saw Mourinho waving his arms in the air, yeah. and he was absolutely furious, which he has every right to be. Yeah, when Lamella walked off, Mourinho, either. exactly, and Mourinho didn't even want to look at him. And that, for me, uh, just was the seal of the deal with Tottenham in that game. Arsenal, as soon as that first goal went in, Arsenal just turned on the power and they just looked dominant, really. And to be honest, we haven't said that about Arsenal a lot this season. I haven't seen Arsenal dominate a game as much as they did Mm. against Tottenham. Yeah.
0: Um, And I think, getting back to that Rubona goal, though, I think you'll only see that kind of thing because fans aren't in the ground. And unless you want to make yourself look like a tit, like David Dunn anyway, um, <laughs> with fans in the ground, I just can't see someone even attempting to do it. But what are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, everyone's in the same position regarding the fans. They're not mm. there. There's, I don't think, to be honest, you look at professional Premier League players, they block out the fans' noise while they're playing the actual game of football. Uh, obviously, the, the fans give him a little bit of a stick here and there and the players react to it. Prime example, I mean, you've seen uh, Tyrone Mings against Blues when he was laughing <laughs> at the fans after giving him a a, few, a bit of a stick. But uh, for me, LeBel done that sort of thing before. Yeah. So, yeah. if uh, I believe he you did it in Europa league, league,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, so... There's always going to be those bit of trickeries, fans or not, and I think for me that wouldn't have affected. I think that's what makes it even better, though. That's what makes it even better—the quality on showing the way he's just done that in the North London Derby uh, was just phenomenal. I mean, I jumped off my uh, chair when watching that. I I couldn't believe he's just sent it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. What do you think about Arsenal's kids coming through? They've got Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe. Personally, I really, really like them both. Saka is just an outstanding talent. And I think Smith-Rowe, he's still got a way to go. But, I mean, if he carries on the way he's playing, he's going to be really good.
1: I mean, Bakayo Saka is an England international for a reason. He's mm. really shy. In his, especially this season, I know he played in the second half of last season but this season especially, he's really shy, uh, shone and he's been a key part of that Arsenal Match Day squad I've never seen Arsenal fans write, uh about a teenager this month uh, this much than Jack Wilshere, when Jack Wilshere yeah. was there and uh, obviously with Jack Wilshere, that never uh, that never hyped up some what he wanted to be because he was just injury prone And I just hope for Arsenal fans to say that Saka doesn't turn into another Jack Wilshere because they have got a right player on their hands, Arsenal
0: have. I I don't think he will, to be honest with you. I mean, I think from things that I've seen, he seems to have like a really good connection with Ian Wright, who he's another one that I just love. I find him brilliant. Matching the day, everything. He's just, he's so, he just looks like a really nice guy, doesn't it?
1: Did you see his video after the uh, win of him singing Sweet yeah. Caroline <laughs> yeah. in the back of his car? <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant, was well, was quite isn't funny. It?
0: That's the thing. I mean, yeah. with someone like Ian Wright take, kind of taking Saka under his wing, really. I mean, I know he's not a coach there, but he's still a massive influence on the Arsenal players, isn't he? So, kind of taking him under yeah, his definitely. wing. I think he's going to be, he's going to keep him humble. He's going to keep him... He's going to keep him to the player that we know now. And I don't think he's going to allow the fame to get to him.
1: Yeah, definitely. uh, As I said, Saka, Arsenal got some players on the hand. Going back to Smith-Rowe, he's gelled in the Arsenal squad. And Mm. you can see he's a very key part of that Arsenal side. But for me, one of the stand-up players for Arsenal yesterday was Martin Odegaard. Ever since he's debuted at Arsenal... He's been phenomenal. The mm. we you know obviously he's very well hyped, especially yeah. when he signed for Real Madrid. I've never seen a teenager being that hyped up as much as probably Kylian Mbappe yeah. when he was at Monaco. And mate, he hasn't had very good loan spells uh, no. before. But then when he went, I think it was uh, Sociedad, he was last yeah, that before Sociedad, Arsenal. Yeah, he was mm. very rated, and now he's gone to North London. He's jailed in the Premier League instantly. And he might be the key feature to Arsenal's push for a Europa League spot or even a Europa Conference League spot mm. near the end of the season.
0: I completely agree, mate. I really like Martin Odegaard. I was really happy when I saw that he was coming to the Premier League. And, I mean, I like Arsenal as a club, I'll be honest with you. So I was happy that he was going there of all places. Yeah. Um, mm. But, I mean, yeah, like you say, he's just so good, isn't he? I mean, that goal the other day in the Europa League as well. What a strike that was.
1: Um, I know, it was a peach. That was... <laughs> it was a
0: beautiful goal, wasn't it? Um, yeah. What did you think about the penalty? Because me and Dad I'm... disagreed with the penalty. I thought it was a Dad... stonewaller. Dad said it shouldn't be a penalty.
1: Do you know what? That was actually a point I was about to bring uh, you on as well. With that, it was a penalty. There's Mm. no denying it. He never got the ball. Uh, It's a straight-through challenge. But I felt very, very sorry uh, for the Tottenham players then because Mm. uh, you got... Lacazette completely sliced the ball. Yeah. And I think I think if Lacazette gets a good connection on that, it's 2-1 anyway. Yeah, probably. I don't there's no denying that. But just the way that Lacazette sliced the ball and he's missed the opportunity, he's got very lucky with how that penalty occurs because Lacazette has completely sliced the ball. The top player has gone straight through him. Was it, uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it uh, Sanchez or Aurier? I think it was Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez has gone straight through him. And that's only come about because Lacazette completely sliced the ball.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think it would have made a difference, personally. I think it still would have been a penalty whether Lacazette sliced it or not. Mm. Because you look at the way the ball was, it's in the air. There's no yeah. way that Sanchez can stick his leg up because that would have <laughs> been a high foot and a danger. It would have been a dangerous <laughs> challenge and it's a penalty yeah. there and maybe even a red card. So there's nothing that Sanchez could have done. So, even if it's like that sliceable or not, I still think it maybe would have been a penalty. Yeah, he's just got himself
0: into a really awkward position. He, A uh, really awkward position, hasn't he, uh, Sanchez? Um, Getting back yeah. to Lamella's red card, though, that means that both him and Son out. Son are out for the Villa game, should I say. Um, Do you think that'll affect much? I think it will,
1: especially with Huming, Son. Mm. He's... Uh, obviously Tottenham's alongside with Harry Kane he's been Tottenham's star man this season you've got that Kane and so- yeah. connection which has happened many times throughout the season uh, and I think that's going to be a big miss for Tottenham they've got they've, they've got still got uh, is Bertha still available is he not injured I'm not I'm too not sure too on that I'm not too sure if I'm being honest with you mate I've because I haven't not seen not him being that Tottenham no. side the past few weeks Yeah, so he may be injured but they've still got players of like Lucas Moura and Bale that mm. are two top quality players there. Yeah. You know, we'll Lucas Mora especially game, used,
0: can, uh Go on. No, I was just going to say that no matter who they play, that Vela are going to have to be at the top of our game, aren't we? And hopefully Matty Cash will be back for that. So I'm praying that he'll be able to kind of quiet them down. But yes. I mean... Harry Kane can just turn it on when he wants. Bale, as we've seen, he's been in brilliant form. Another one who can kind of turn it on when he wants.
1: Well, well, talking about Harry Kane, how unlucky were Tottenham in the last minutes to that North London derby? That free kick was excellently worked by Harry Kane. He was Mm. very unlucky. And uh, the ending as well, that block at the end, I don't know who was on the line for Arsenal, but that saved obviously the three points uh, to stay in the red side of London, in North London. Yeah,
0: I mean I'm happy with the result. If I'm being honest with you, my, I've got a f- uh my mum's side of the family. A, r- a lot of them are Arsenal fans, so mm. i was buzzing for them to get the three points there. Um, but the final game that we're going to talk about today is Man United's one nil win against West Ham United. Um, I don't know about you, mate, but I thought this was a fairly boring one. If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't it think was. there's many talking and... points. Um, I don't... thought Greenwood, gone. Sorry.
1: I've got quite a few talking points on that game, uh, if I'm honest. Mm. I think the main... Obviously, West Ham didn't look like the top four side no. they've been this season. And for me, I think the main problem for West Ham was Jesse Lingard being missing, because obviously he's still a Manchester yeah. United player. Obviously, he couldn't play. And you've seen the past few games how much Lingard has created to that West Ham side. And mm. I think that's where the struggles with missing Lingard it could have been about three or four nil to Man United if I was yeah. honest. It was a dominant display, uh, a display where Man United's deservedly were in second place at the moment, and they proved that with the performance. Yeah. Uh it, I thought Craig Dawson was very, very unlucky with the goal. Uh the own goal, there mm. wasn't much he could do about that. Maybe uh, uh West Ham could have uh i mean looking at that game i don't actually think west ham created anything no. really
0: no i completely agree mate they looked really poor didn't they but surely uh, lingard can't have that much an effect on a west ham team can they really
1: well I mean, yeah, well for me you, you just look at it, i mean they i don't know he's coming for two months but you look at the side they created absolutely nothing and yet that game, I think it was against Arsenal where uh, West Ham played, where they won 2-0, um, I think it was, 2-1 mm. or 2-0. Uh, and Lingard was a standout player against us. Jesse Lingard, yeah. standout player. For me, Jesse Lingard is a key... I know he's only been there two months, but he's a key part of that West Ham side. Yeah. And they badly missed him on Sunday because they created absolutely nothing.
0: No, I, I completely agree that they missed him, but I'm just surprised that... Because they were still decent without him, weren't they, at the beginning of the season? You'd have thought that... Yeah. You'd have... Or, I mean, you'd have liked to have thought that they could still do something, especially from a West Ham fan's point of view.
1: But, well, I mean, you look at... For me, Jesse Lingard has completely changed West Ham style of play. For the hmm. first half of the season, West Ham were a very defensive side. They still have players like Ben Rama, Antonio, uh, Jarrod Bowen who could turn on the... Uh, start to uh, turn on uh, for West Ham. But ever since Lingard's come in, West Ham looking a completely different side where they're a lot more attacking. They don't have yeah. to sit back a lot more. Thomas Suchek is obviously West Ham's standout player for me this mm. season. Don't get me wrong. He's just a bully in the middle of the park. But they're very attacking now. And you saw that in games against uh, time against Arsenal. Uh, you saw that at Villa Park, mm. uh, where they were absolutely dominant. And West Ham are a better, much better side with Jesse Lingard in it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, mate, if I'm being honest with you. um, One thing I would like to say about this game is that I thought Greenwood looked really good. I mean, he looked really bright, hit the post a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I think he was really unfortunate not to get a goal, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah.
1: As I said, that's why I said it could have been about 3 or 4 nil, especially mm. with Mason Greenwood. I mean, you look at that Rashford header in the first half yeah. as well, going off topic from Greenwood, but that Rashford header, that could, that's could that got to be a goal for me, and he's just put too much power on it, and that's why he swerved the other way. But Greenwood, the way he was able to attack down the right-hand side so easily, as he said, he was very unlucky not to get a goal, especially when hitting the post mm. a couple of times.
0: Um, we mentioned it earlier, but who should Southgate give that left-back spot to? Um, Shaw's had a great season so far Cresswell's had a great season for West Ham Target's had a great season for Villa Um, so putting Bias behind who gets in that starting 11 for you mate
1: putting Bias behind I mean I'd love to see Matty (laughs) Target I think you'd be the exact same you'd love to see Matty Target in that left back slot but for me it's got to be Luke Shaw I think he's been uh, such a delight to watch from Manchester United all I see at this season is Man United fans raving about Luke Shaw and uh, I've seen it many times on Twitter Uh, I think it goes in the order Shaw Chilwell target I think it's I'm only putting Chilwell ahead of Matt Target again going back to the experience same with Ollie Watkins Uh, I'd love to see Mm -hmm. Target in that England squad do I think South is gonna pick him? Unfortunately not. It would be great to see him there, but for me it's gotta be Luke Shaw going in that left back position. Yeah,
0: I completely agree, mate. Um just one last point before we end off the episode. Um, Bruno ghosted again. Mm. <laughs>
1: That's, <laughs> that's it that's I it mean, bruno goes it exactly again. <laughs> bruno goes to it again bruno fernandez is all oh, the savior for man united <laughs> uh but yeah she said he goes to it again it's funny how when he's not playing the big six teams he goes a little bit yeah. i mean he scored against man city and everyone was raving oh bruno fernandez don't forget it was only a penalty i know when i mean you saw he the did amount nothing, of people that was he raving about nothing Bru-
0: the rest of that, that game, game did he
1: and just... yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I saw tweets from United fans saying, Bruno Haters, where are you at?
0: It was a penalty. <laughs> he's called a penalty. <laughs> and, uh, I think he's had, what is it, something ridiculous like 19 penalties since he's been at the since he's been at United. I'm not and shocked. Just, the thing is, though, just imagine, like, Grealish in that time had had 19 penalties as well. <laughs> you know? I I mean, personally, there's no comparison between them.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, I can't say anything more on your point that you just made there. I completely agree. (laughs) Um, Well, then that's
0: it then. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, mate, Elliot, for joining me and being the very first guest on the pod. Um, Anytime, I
1: loved it, mate.
0: (laughs) Please go out go over and check out Elliot socials at Elliot AVFC on Twitter while you're over there, drop us a follow as well at LT football pod. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you all soon for on Friday for another episode.
1: Take care. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sport social podcast network.